Oh my gosh, look at this energy. Bring in, bring in the energy, Cease. I know, I'm sorry. But it's, listen, I know it's Monday. Dear listener, we're recording on a Monday, but I am so tired. Oh, I'm worn out. I don't hey. know what has happened to me today. There's something in the air. James, how about you? Are you full of energy or are you like us and feel like you're going to fall asleep at any moment? I'm sleepy. What is going on with us? Yeah. Maybe there's just something cosmically. Is the how's the weather in your neck of the woods, James? Is it kind of overcast That's, and gray? It's been raining all day. It's like Seattle here. Yeah, it, it's about the same here. A little sunshine today, a little bit. I didn't get to spend any time outside, boy. Let me tell you, I was inside no. working, watching oh. hot dog over here. Listen, that is a great show. Hot, um, hot dog. Hot dog spelled H-A-U-T-E with Instagrammer Jess Rona as one of the oh my judges. And it's a dog grooming competition. Uh, I was HBO wondering. Max. I was like, what? Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Highly recommend for anybody who enjoys seeing adorable puppies. <gasps> yep. James, how have you been? <laughs> I'm good. Pumpkin molted. And now she's all, she's a moody teenager. Like, uh, Ooh, she used to angsty. be. Yeah, she used to just be like a little glutton that, that laid around, and now she doesn't want to eat, and she's kicking hairs at me and everything. Does it hurt if you get a hair kicked at you? Uh, it's basically like contact dermatitis. Ouch! Yeah. I've never had that before, but I imagine it probably Well, you know, in a comic book, old comic book ads, you know, the, the three generic ads, x-ray specs, sea monkeys, itching powder. Well, that's what itching powder is. Oh. It's literally ground-up tarantula hair. Oh, my Gosh, James, oh, that's nuts. That's that's my fun fact yeah. for the day. I had no idea that that's what mm. itching powder was. Wow. Ooh, spider hair. So out of those three items for our icebreaker, which one would you have bought from the ad? <laughs> <laughs> uh, X-ray vision, mm. duh. Oh, yeah. I mean. That's the perv choice. Yeah, what? exactly. That's why I would have picked it. <laughs> 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 no, I would have done X-ray vision too, I think. Because I remember works. seeing ads for sea monkeys. But yeah. I had seen X-ray monkeys vision, growing up, and I never, okay. <clears throat> I didn't really have anyone I wanted mm. to uh, prank with the itching powder. So I would have done the X-ray yeah. glasses so I could see through walls. Yeah, really, it's it's like a test. Really, it's like, are you a perv, a dork, or a sadist? Because really, that's <laughs> that's the three t- personalities that would buy any of those. But right. Cece, did you say that you had? Sea I had monkeys? I had sea monkeys growing up. So you were a dork. I'm all, I've always been a dork. There's nothing new there. James, what are you? Are you a, a sadist, a dork, or a bird? Oh, I, <laughs> I would definitely pick sea monkeys because I never got to have them as a kid. Oh, you're adorable, James. <laughs> he, and the thing is, he doesn't have to buy the uh, itching powder because he already has a yeah, natural Yeah, he, he, he just grinds up his tarantulas and does it. <laughs> no, he plucks the hairs from their legs and he grinds it oh, up. Oh, he slowly tortures them. Sorry. Oh my god! <laughs> they can't feel it. They just kicked a whole bunch at him. Remember? Oh, okay, fair he enough. He just collects them from their little. He cage. just he he just takes like they fire bullets at him and he catches them. He's like yeah. Neo. No, he's like from Superman. Superman. Okay, sure. Yeah, Super James. Wow. I like that mine wasn't satisfactory and you just had to make it Superman because Neo wasn't enough. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> oh wow. That was a. Uh oh. <clears throat> Do you hear that? Uh, Listen. Yep. Oh, she seems to have... Oh, nope, there she goes again. <laughs> He'll be right back. <clears throat> you all go in. He'll be right back, listeners. He's going to go make sure that our daughter is 
okay. She's fine. She's going through a phase right now, James, where she'll lay down and then scream for us every five minutes. I feel like that's something that every uh, kid does. I was about to say, yeah. Yeah. She just doesn't want to go to bed. Usually it's- If I had somebody to pay attention, I'd probably still do that. <laughs> <laughs> you just yell at your spiders, pumpkin, pumpkin. <laughs> and pumpkin's like, leave me alone. Anyways, James, James, are you excited <laughs> to talk about what we're talking about today? I am. This is one that's like kind of been a long time coming. Yeah. And just so happens we drew it. This so, is I'm stoked. a humanoid uh, evolution episode, and this topic was suggested to us by Carson from Texas, mm. and also a little shout out to Henry the Host with It Came From a Monster Movie Podcast. And you know what? I also want to give a shout out to some of our listeners from around the globe. Mm. <laughs> Let me pull up my beautiful map, and let's see where people are listening today. Today, you guys... We have listeners. France has really picked up their game. France is now on nice. now within the top five listeners. So thank you, France. Oh wow! Yeah, it's insane. And then we also another country that's really been racking in the listens lately is the Czech Republic. Uh, that's where your uh, surname originates. Yes. So hello to everybody in the Czech Republic. And then we also have here in the U.S. Alex, why don't you close your eyes and just pick a state from from the map? Boom. Okay, Alex picked Arizona. So one more, one more. Oh, this is fun. Boom. Michigan. All right. Listeners from all <laughs> over the globe, wherever you're listening, thank you so much for listening. Yeah. You know what I mean, boy? Yeah. Big. Yeah. And thank you to everybody who submitted reviews this week. And we actually got one. I just want to read it really quickly. Yeah. I thought that it was very nice. And I won't say the person's name because I'm not sure if they want us to say their, you know, their screen name. Mm. But they did leave us a review that reads, I binged the whole show in a week. Oh, wow. It feels like you're hanging out with your friends listening to this podcast. Keep up the great work, guy. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for that review. If you want me to give you a shout out, just message me on Instagram or send us an email at 13thfloorpodcast at gmail.com. And next episode, we'll Uh. say your name and attribute that wonderful review to you. Alex, if people want to leave reviews, where can they leave reviews? They leave it on iTunes. This. That's probably the best place. <laughs> that is the only, the, like, the only place. Yeah, really. Yeah. It's so weird that like other platforms don't have. Yeah, it's very peculiar. Um, but but speaking of like uh, listener interactions, a listener from Australia, actually the same one who who mentioned that that book that was recommended last episode, they. Uh, they had a question that I thought was so interesting that even though I answered their question in an email, I thought, you know what? This is one of those questions that I kind of want other people to hear my take on. Oh. Oh. They, they, they asked what would happen if computers could store the human genome in binary, like ones and zeros. And well, first of all, it's interesting to think of all the things that computers could do with the human genome stored as data. But it's funny because it's actually not very efficient because our our genes are stored in sort of a, a better manner because we use four nucleotides to uh, code our genes. Mm-hmm. You know, adenine, guanine, cytosine, thymine. Yeah. Binaries, ones and zeros. So it would take up like at least double the space. Right. So that's one funny mm-hmm. thing. Our, our DNA is actually more efficient. But it got me thinking about like this weird sci-fi concept. If... Let's say, let's say that a 3D printer was able to store the human genome as data and then could use that data 
to put those those peptides into, like, say, a, a bacterium cell or an animal cell, just one that shares a lot of our DNA but you know needs a little bit of work. It could literally create a genetic version of of a human cell or any animal cell, like by kind of like 3D printing it, but with proteins instead of ink. So you could sort of 3D print an organism. Mm-hmm. That's I didn't they do that in the Avengers? Oh, I hope vision. Not. Yeah, Vision. He's a 3D printed. Uh, he, he's he's more person. of an android organic thing. Yeah, because he's got huh. metal parts in him too. Listen, but imagine that. Imagine like a 3D printer version of genetic engineering. It would be a lot more efficient than CRISPR. But anyway. Sorry, I just thought that was interesting. That was James's tangent for the day. All right, so James, I'm going to start out today. Are we ready to talk about our subject? Yeah, what's our subject? What's our topic? I, boy, I already, I already said it. You when did you it were while upstairs I was, with baby Gwen. Yeah, I jumped off the top ropes, gave her the old elbow. <laughs> Boom! What did she want? She want water? Yep, yeah, I told her no. <laughs> You've done this enough tonight. <laughs> I said you had a lot of water tonight. I said I know what you really want. You just want to get comfy. Let me tuck you in. Yep. And now she's asleep. Well, let's not go that far. The <laughs> show's right. not over yet. <laughs> All right, you guys. So we had three different theories that were suggested to us by Carson. We had aquatic ape, psychedelic theory, and then mm. just whatever one we wanted. And James was like, Cece, you should do alien hybrids. So that's what I'm talking about, you guys. Give it a go. Yeah, I'm going to give it a go. And I, I read an article on thenextweb.com. That was actually very informative about how species differ from one another, like just evolutionarily, like what makes a dog a dog species versus a cat as a cat species, stuff like that. But the article also outlined how if different species come together, it's unlikely that they would be biologically compatible because in order for something like an alien human baby to occur, they would have to be born healthy, viable, fertile. Is this why I saw you looking up? hybrids earlier yeah i was looking up hybrids of course <laughs> several videos on hybrids you guys but if if you want to look it up the specific article that i read is titled alien human hybrids are unlikely but not impossible scientists say and it was published <laughs> yeah it was published it's such a news article oh, yeah exactly but it was published last month so you guys it's fresh spanking new news in oh. case you want to look at it but this article kind mm. of took on the perspective of is it possible in the future to have alien-human hybrids? But, you guys, that's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to talk about, did we evolve from aliens? You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are mm. the aliens us? <gasps> Gasp. <laughs> James, what do you think? Uh, I, I don't think it's, like, out of the, out of the, what's the word? It's not off the table. It's not off the table. Panspermia is a pretty interesting theory. Hmm. Panspermia. Well, I'm going to talk a little bit panspermia, but not a lot panspermia. Hmm. You know what I mean? Because, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, TBH, to be completely honest, this was a, there really wasn't all uh, that much information on, hey, we came from aliens. It was all more like, are we going to breed with aliens in the future when we explore other planets? Uh. Yeah. Okay. I like that you said... A.K.A. Kirk and Yes. It. I like that you said TBH, <laughs> and then you said to be honest. Listen. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> but I found I found very few articles on this, but I did find one article that seemed like it might have some ideas. 
that would shed some light on whether or not we came from aliens just like from a long time ago. Why did you laugh a little <laughs> bit when you said that? <laughs> <laughs> At random <laughs> intervals throughout this article, there was an ad about why it's important to clean your ears with a picture <laughs> of a dirty, disgusting earwax-laden oh. Q-tip. And oh. it legit made me want to toss my cookies. Oh. So I quickly threw that article aside. I said, I'm not reading this. Like, who who <laughs> thinks it's a good idea to put a picture like that as an ad in the cringe. center of your freaking article? <sighs> well, I've noticed a trend of, of increasingly gross clickbait. <sighs> like, this health food will cure any disease in five minutes, and then it's like the grossest picture uh, ever. Yeah. It'll be, it'll, yeah. Well, it, it's, it's like, that's not food. No. <laughs> I don't know where you got that, but that's not food. Well, I quickly exited out of that article. I said, I'm not looking at this, so goodbye. But I did. I, I turned mm-hmm. to a better source, okay? I turned to YouTube. And I found a pretty decent little quick video from Time Magazine that talked about panspermia. But it didn't really go into, hey, you know, aliens bred with humans. It was more so about how life could have come from another planet via meteor, like bacteria or oh. amino acids catching a ride on a meteor that hit Earth and then hit the water and then all of a sudden... Ooh, bacteria, and then years oh. passing. Ooh, fish, and <laughs> mm. so on and so forth. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It was crazy, but yeah, most most scientists do not put too much weight into the idea that aliens like made love to the Neanderthals or whatever. So, uh oh, <laughs> we've got another screaming child. This is a wait. Well, second, Sir James. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> sir James. Alex has run upstairs oh, to man. tell Gwen that we've had enough. Huh. Oh, she's she wanted more water. Huh? <laughs> she's, she's drinking more water. <laughs> For any of our listeners oh, who man. do not have children, this is what it's like. Mm. And James, I know that your spiders, like they're your children. Do they? Do- <laughs> I knew that was going to come. I knew that we were going to make a connection. Do they there. do this to you? Oh, do they man. say, James, James, just tapping on the glass water? <laughs> Cricket. No, thankfully they don't make uh, any noise ever, which is nice. Do they really like? You've never heard that a noise come from their little terrariums. I mean, if like pumpkin was such a glutton that like she's literally tackled crickets so hard that it made her enclosure rattle and scooch a little bit. Gosh! But other than that, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, The force behind—they're really strong. It's kind of freaky. If you had to compare Uh, pumpkin size to an object, what would you say? How big is she? Um, from toe to toe, she's about the size of. She's about the diameter of a tangerine. Dang, that's a big spider, James. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's gotten big. She's probably about three and a half, four inches now. Well, dear listeners, we'll post a picture of Pumpkin on the Instagram page, uh, <laughs> if I remember. <laughs> you know, one thing that I do think is is interesting about the the, the possibility of panspermia is uh, one of the one of the very important amino acids in life is alanine, and that usually comes from ethanamine. Well. Ethanamine, we do know it forms in ice grains in space. We know that. And so it'd be a lot easier, actually, for it to seed a planet by, like, falling. You know, this is not intentional. This is just accidental. By falling to, like, say, Earth's atmosphere a long time ago, rather than it just naturally taking place on Earth itself. You guys still there? 
Yeah, Alex muted it because he just <laughs> stubbed his toe on our couch and he was oh. <laughs> whining and Oh man, that sucks. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Alex, he was just enlightening us on Panspermia. I heard the very end of it. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna have to nurse his little toe back to health. All right, so so back to my stuff, you guys. All we're right, gonna, we're gonna hop back in now that Alex is back from delivering water to our little baby. Okay, so I'm gonna tell you about one theory that was presented by a man named Doctor Ellis Silver. Have you guys ever heard of Doctor Ellis Silver? Uh, no, that's yeah, a cool no, right? Mm, he must be a vampire hunter or or a werewolf hunter. Listen, he's an ecologist, okay, <laughs> and he thinks that us humans are not actually from Earth. But we're instead brought to Earth by aliens from another planet, and that Earth is a prison. Oh, yeah, because well, we're violent. Goodness. We're violent species that need to be taught a lesson. Well, when, when do we <laughs> learn that lesson? <laughs> I don't know, but I am going mm. to preface what I'm saying with the fact that I got this information from the DailyTimes.com.pk. And it's listed as an infotainment article. And then also the other place I found this info was express.co.uk. And both of these are not like, you know, the most trustworthy sources, I guess. Whatever. So take with this what you will. But he wrote a book on this subject and you can read his book, but he posits that the human species were just put on earth by aliens. And he thinks this because, are you guys ready to hear why? Ready. Okay. He's got four reasons. At least that's what the article's listed. One. Humans are just generally unhealthy. How do you figure? Because we're just riddled with health issues that other animals don't seem to be riddled with. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, it's weird. Two, we sunburn. James and I know very easily. So he argues that we Mm. must have been spawned on a planet without vast amounts of light. Because other animals don't seem to run into issues with the sun. James, do naked mole rats get sunburned? Exactly. Yeah. The the issue is that we don't have hair. That's the problem. And we don't have hair because we were so filthy uh, back in the day that we just kept getting parasites. And finally, like na- Mother Nature was just like, "All right, fine. If you're not gonna wash yourselves, <laughs> it's just coming out." <laughs> That's like our daughter. Fortunately, her hair grew back. But when she was first born, she had a beautiful head of hair, and then she rubbed it off, and she just had like a strip of baldness right yeah, through the back in, of her head. <laughs> she would lay in her bed and just move her head back and forth. And I just rubbed a ring ball around. Yeah, yeah. She had a, a ball ring around her head. Wow. It was adorable, but praise God it grew back. Okay, number three. Humans giving birth is just like really difficult, you guys. It's not easy. Yeah. Yeah, because babies have such large no. heads. And other animals on yep. Earth don't really seem to run into this issue when giving birth. Mm. But my yeah. argument here is wouldn't it be just as difficult to give birth on another planet than it would here? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't. That doesn't add Maybe up to me. Maybe in space they yeah, just exactly. float out of you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they have some other way of getting the baby out. I don't know. Okay, and then four. Lastly, most humans have back problems. Womp womp. Ugh. It's true. I've got my little foam roller that I roll my back on every morning. Yeah, my back's a mess. Uh, again, that goes hand in hand with the fact that you know we're we're a very new technology on Earth, biological, well, like like. We're not supposed to walk on two legs, and we we did anyway. <laughs> Dr. Silver, he reckons that we actually come from a planet with lower gravity, so there's not as much weight. Not mm-hmm. much compression on the spine. Yeah, on the spine. Why don't people give birth standing up? You, see, you would think they would want the extra gravity to help them. 
Some people do. Yeah, it's actually yeah. better for you to just squat. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Like a lot better. Um, incidentally, uh, you know, I'm surprised he didn't cover the one that I actually do think of sometimes, which is that the human, for a lot of humans, for probably the majority of humans, our uh, biological clock, our sleep and wakefulness cycle. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of weird. It's like, why? Well, it mentioned that in the article. Oh, really? But it, listen, huh. it didn't give quite as much information on that, so I didn't include it in my little list, but... The, the site that I got my info from had like an abbreviated version of his theory because, again, Dr. Silver wrote a book about this. So they want to hook us and then hope that we buy the mm. book. So if mm. you want to read it, mm. it's called Humans Are Not From Earth, A Scientific Evaluation of the Evidence. It's out there if you want to read it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't have as many problems if I read the actual source material. You know what I mean? Instead of the dailytimes.com.pk. Yeah, thanks for, you keep hitting my thing. I hit hit Alex's. I'm sorry, we were just riddled my with issues today. Can't hear mm-hmm. anything. I think the most logical human hybrid explanations would be, one, uh, as I've mentioned before, a big chunk of humanity, all three of us included, have Neanderthal admixture. So we are human hybrids. Uh, and two, if aliens produced hybrids with humans, I think it would require a lot of genetic engineering. It's not something that could just naturally take yeah, place. Yeah, that's what a lot of the sources that I saw read for like the articles that I read about is this possible in the future. A lot of them were like, no, it's going to take a lot of work because that's not something that just easily happens. Mm. If we were to breed with aliens, those aliens come from a different place. So their genetic is quite probably very different than ours and it's Highly possible. Yeah, we probably have more in common with a daffodil than with an alien. Well, listen, (laughs) the last little story I'm going to leave you with before Alex hops on, and this doesn't have too much to do with alien evolution, I guess, but it was just a fun little tidbit story from the critically acclaimed smash hit television show, Ancient Aliens. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw this on YouTube, this little clip. And this is a story of a man named Jeffrey Lash. Have either of you heard of Jeffrey Lash? No, unless it's that guy mm, with the crazy no. hair. He's the only one I know from Ancient Aliens. Oh, well, I'm not talking this. This is a yeah. story from him about another guy. Well, I didn't know. He I don't know that guy's, that guy's name on the show. I he think it's be Jeffrey Giorgio Lash. something. Okay. But anyways, Jeffrey Lash. He was found mm-hmm. dead in an SUV in Los Angeles, California in June 2015. And according to ABC7 News, he died mm. of natural causes. So I'm not talking about like alien murder here, mm. you guys. But... His fiance hmm. did apparently tell police that Lash claimed to have been an alien hybrid himself. And I'm unsure hmm. as to whether she actually believed this too, or if it was like, you know, if she just told this to police. But Ancient Aliens made it seem like she did believe it. And then other articles that I read made it seem like she did not, that she was duped from him. But, anyways, this case was extra strange because, on top of claiming to have a parent from outer space, He supposedly didn't have any fingerprints during the autopsy. They're like, where are his fingerprints? Lash also was found to have over 1,200 guns, ton of ammunition in storage. And he also apparently told his neighbors that he worked for the CIA, which it's just a red flag right there. Like people who work for the CIA are not going to tell you they work for the CIA, right? Yeah, this is this is just reeking of no, schizophrenia. He uh, he told them that he worked for the CIA, that he had thwarted a number of attacks. And the reason I'm sharing this is not because of his story, really, but all of the supposed alien experts on the show, 
they were kind of pointing to his case and saying, you know, okay, people who are abducted by aliens, a lot of alien abduction victims claim to have seen alien hybrids during their abductions. And if they're telling us the truth, then maybe Jeffrey Lash was an alien hybrid. And who knows how long we've been getting our genes spliced and diced by extraterrestrials. You know what I mean? Mm. Yes. So, yeah. Alien hybrids, you guys. <clears throat> okay. Were we spawned from aliens? Possibly. I don't think so, but... It's possible. You never know. Or they could have been aquatic apes. Aquatic apes? Yeah. What's an aquatic ape? Which I don't think I've ever actually heard of these until James mentioned it to us. And James was like, listeners, <laughs> when we told when we talked about this topic after we got done with our last recording session, James was like, oh... When I was like 10 years old, I was obsessed with aquatic apes. And I was just thinking a 10-year-old obsessed <laughs> with aquatic apes. Yeah, interesting. But, you know, unfortunately it sounds like a lot cuter than it would like likely have been. Uh, I hear this and I think of sea monkeys, mm. which are actually just like... Sea monkeys. Yeah. That's which, come up a lot today. I know. That's what we all were saying. I was like, I just kind of want to go into my topic, but... I don't want to jump the gun, <laughs> but which are actually, if anyone wants to know what sea monkeys are, they're just disappointing. Um, <laughs> they're, they're, bri- uh, there's like a, a t- type of brine shrimp. They're not actual monkeys. Yeah. So just no matter what children's cartoons have told you otherwise. You mean they don't wrong. have tridents? No, no uh, tridents. The dude who came up with sea monkeys is a fascinating guy. I'm not going to go into it because it would derail our topic. But boy, is that yeah, a deep dive. Interesting. All right. I, I read a little bit about But uh, anyway, so yeah, they're very disappointed. But these aquatic apes are <laughs> actually supposedly, you know, what we evolved from, according to pathologist Max Westenhofer. And the, these would have been a mostly aquatic human-like thing. Like, imagine an extra layer of fat on us, and we've got webbed fingers and toes, and we're just... Completely horrific looking at this point. <laughs> like a human sea manatee? <laughs> That's, well, you, you've kind of ruined my joke later, but man, oh. <laughs> a tea. <laughs> oh my God. Ayo. Uh, yeah. So yeah. The- <laughs> that makes me think of that uh, Australian buckle up campaign. Do y'all ever see that? The the illustration of a person designed to survive car no. crashes? Oh man, it's horrific I looking. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's really uh, gross. But- <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, if you can just imagine something with our skin tone <laughs> swimming in the water, <laughs> it's horrific. <laughs> but so, Max Westenhofer, he wasn't the only person to propose this theory. There were some people before him, and I'll get to the person that really came after him. And he did actually abandon this theory, but someone else picked it up and really is the reason why it even became a thing. And that's Elaine Morgan. <laughs> and she proceeded to write five yeah. books on the subject of the aquatic ape. And James has read all five of them. <laughs> have you read any of them, James? I uh, have not, but I've read a lot of articles referencing Yeah, them. so essentially she and, and anyone that really believes in the aquatic ape theory believes that obviously we survived in these aquatic habitats. So this isn't like deep sea or anything like that. But we're... Most likely thinking something like shallow water, like rivers, oasis, embankments on lakes, these types of things. So, all shallow stuff. And in her theory, or I guess the general theory, is that they were, we would eat something like lilies, cattails, whenever we couldn't get enough sustenance elsewhere, like in urchins, shellfish, that type of thing. 
Okay. So if we couldn't get that kind of mm. type of stuff, we would do what they have found uh, baboons actually do. They go, they'll eat lilies and cattails to have sustenance when they can't find actual food. Cattails look like corn dogs. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they make for good eating. What? You've eaten one? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I've always been intrigued by cattails. I'll be honest. Yeah, you can make flour out of them. Oh, wow. make a cattail cookie. Oh, wow. Hmm. Um, so, <laughs> they uh, the other thing is that they think that these these aqua apes were essentially we were they were kind of driven into the sea by other competition. So we they were actually maybe something that was on land that was driven to the sea because there was so much competition at the time. Aliens. Yes, maybe maybe <laughs> we were trying to get a, by alien away from aliens so hard that we just transformed. Oh my god! Dove into the sea. Now, <laughs> evolutionarily speaking, there is a precedent for this. It's theorized that dolphins uh, or uh, cetaceans were actually amphibious at one point and became wholly aquatic well i mean that's that's a very reasonable statement yeah basically like some kind of pig animal became cetaceans yeah yeah they had to have been intermediates yeah yeah so there there is a precedent for evolution to take land to the sea okay because i I know a lot of times we think of sea to land yeah in Hmm. a lot of our mutations surf and turf yeah so there's actually a a lot of the evidence that they point to are these fossil records that they find in these aquatic environments. Now, the problem that the, these are usually found in East and South Africa. Uh, there's several fossil sites, and they're also in, they're always in these areas where lakes and grasslands get flooded or they're, they're near water. Mm-hmm. A lot of these places. And a lot of times they're next to fish and all these things. So, a lot of the people that believe in this theory seem to think that that is proof that these were the creatures swimming around at the time. They just got buried like like you do when you turn into a fossil. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, the, the idea is that as the world, or I guess where we were living became more arid, we kind of worked our way up. We... <laughs> As aquatic apes, we would walk on our two feet in shallow water. Okay. Which is something that primates do. Whenever they're in water, mm-hmm. even if they're ones that, that travel on all fours, when they get in water, there's a lot of pictures online of of apes wading in water with their arms yeah. in the air. <laughs> it goes back to that the alien theory about, you know, why people's backs always hurt. Yeah, if you're if you're in the water all the time, you're not going to have that problem. If you're just walking on two legs just to wade every now and again, you're not yeah. going to have a back problem. That's true. And so as the areas in Africa really became more and more arid, that's kind of how we evolved into the more human-like things that you know now. Now, the problem with this theory is that the biggest purveyor of it and the reason for the continued existence of the theory like i said elaine morgan has a bit of a problem and that problem (laughs) is that she was a big fiction writer with no substantial science background (laughs) she was actually she had actually written a few she had written a few things on biology but she only had an english degree and she was more known at the time for the tv shows that she was a writer on yeah, so mm. Elaine Morgan 
actually pursued the aquatic ape theory initially because she felt it was <laughs> that typical evolutionary theory was too quote unquote Tarzan and thus it was sexist against women because she felt that it minimized the women's roles in evolution. What? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, well, okay. <laughs> okay. So she thought that this theory for, I can't find the reason why, but she thought that this theory would even things out and make both sexes just as relevant in how the bio, the evolution took place. Now, she included a lot of this feminism in her initial book. And while some people really liked the feminism stuff, but they didn't really care for the aquatic ape stuff. Well, what she did was she essentially rewrote that book, got rid of the feminism stuff, and stuck with the aquatic ape stuff, and then proceeded to write four more books about it. Okay. <laughs> nice. So... Yeah, but I, I don't think that that should mean that someone who d didn't study science can't make interesting or drum up interesting conversations regarding yeah. topics or even Absolutely. aquatic apes. But it did seem like she at least initially had an agenda at the beginning, which really jades me on anything else she has to say going forward. Yeah. Right. Well, one of, one of her arguments even... One of our arguments even is that in the ocean, that would make face-to-face uh, -face copulation more feasible than on land. What? Oh, there's a whole yeah. Indian book that explains that there's all sorts of positions humans can wind up in. They don't need the ocean to as an excuse. So, yeah. Yeah. That was it, a Kama it, Sutra joke. Yeah. Just <laughs> in case you didn't. Good Lord. <laughs> Good Lord. Um, the <laughs> so yeah, um, the, and the pro the other problem is you know science kind of points in another direction, hmm. and their big point about the preserved or aqua aquatic ape remains near bodies of water. Well, naturally these areas would be the ones the most likely preserved bodies, yeah, rather than dry land. Those are like ideal for having a fossilized situation or anything like that. So. Yeah, and I've read some other things that are interesting. That some theories were that our speech and even our overall design of like our skin, our trachea, our nose, or even our nose placement is because we came from the sea. Now, I don't buy that because a lot of apes have very similar. Yeah, <laughs> really, the only so. thing that we have that's weird is is the sweating. Uh, uh, apes sweat. But we have like a lot of like bizarrely placed and stylized sweat glands. It is a little weird, but I think the argument there is again we were talking about earlier. We don't have hair. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we we look very strange. I would think yeah. in the water. Um, and I I do think that human evolution was shaped by coastal areas. I think that is sort oh, of the yes. natural human environment. I just don't think that whale people is a feasible <laughs> answer to that. Yeah, and that was one thing I had read was that a lot of scientists want to pursue the area of, like, how did we evolve uh, in relation to our area near the coast? Because since a lot of humanity spent so much time near water, it would make sense that we yeah. evolved because of that. But apparently a lot of them immediately get, uh, they get pigeonholed into, like, being aquatic apis, I guess. Uh, and so it, people really quickly make these like 
kind of degrade any work in that field. So mm-hmm. I feel like that actually hasn't been tapped into enough, probably. Mm. But uh, they also said that as far as they can tell, humanity didn't really acquire its love for seafood until 200,000 years ago. So mm. the the claim that we've been eating shellfish and stuff for a million years doesn't seem to be likely. Like, yeah, maybe we were eating a little bit, but we didn't. It wasn't mass consumed until 200,000 years ago. Hmm. And they believe that we've been walking around on our hind legs for about 5 million years. But, you know, (laughs) honestly, you know, all this old history and after the year 2020 and seeing how wrong science is all the time, (laughs) all the time, you know, aquatic apes are completely ridiculous to me, which, by the way, they have changed their name to aquatic uh, or no, sorry, waterside apes. Waterside apes. Yeah, to, to to avoid the confusion of diving sounds like too a cartoon. Because aquatic sounds like they can go into the depths of the ocean and stuff, whereas waterside makes it just like <laughs> they just kind of shimmy on the beach or something. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, when know. James mentioned it, I, I immediately thought of mermaids, and that's not what it that's is. That's not what this is. Yeah. No. Nope. So yeah, so you know, everyone's like, "Duh, it's science." Well. We've been we've seen a lot of science debunked this year, and <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to oh, say man. that I'm, I'm not going to rule out the possibility of pink skinned manatees. <laughs> oh my <laughs> goodness! <laughs> wow, cool. That's aquatic apes. Yeah, James, what are you talking about All today? Right. I'm talking about stoned apes. So. Ooh. <laughs> so yeah, in order to to go back on this, probably pays to mention a fellow named Terrence McKenna. And Terrence McKenna, for everybody who is who thinks that's ringing a bell, it's probably ringing a bell because um, what's that podcast? It's not as big as ours. Ro Jogan? Oh, something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He often he, he often has Paul Stamets, we're on him later, and uh Terrence McKenna's brother on there to talk about psychedelics because Terrence McKenna was a staunch advocate for psychedelics and he researched it significantly. In fact, most of the things that we know about uh mushrooms, psychedelic mushrooms, comes from his research. There are even strains named after him. So, yeah, the, every aspect of, of mushroom-related culture, at least in modernity, uh, really kind of stems from Terrence McKenna. And he's also one of the most interesting dudes. Like, I highly recommend people watch videos of him, if not just to hear his very peculiar voice and the pitch and and uh, <laughs> everything about just how he talks. There's something, and I don't mean this in a mean way, but there's something cartoonish about him. That he just kind of reminds me of the Professor Brothers, the, that cartoon from back in the day. Hmm. Um, but he came up with the very, very, very controversial theory that the ingestion of psychedelic mushrooms played a role in our evolution. Uh, hmm. So, and bear in mind, this this is a guy who who created a lot of aspects of, of our counterculture of the counterculture during the 60s the psychedelic movement you know timothy leary bill hicks people like that um things that are really becoming mainstream now in part because of joe rogan's podcast this was all sort of spearheaded by him but he claimed that there was this sudden jump in human evolution that people went from uh pretty much just being 
ape-like in our in our behavior, our mannerisms, in our capacity of thought. Which you know, apes are incredibly intelligent, but you know, no chimpanzee is ever going to build a space shuttle. It would have to evolve into something. (laughs) Well, well, the minute a chimpanzee has the capacity to do that, it would cease to be a chimpanzee. It would be something else further up the evolutionary tree. It would be its own thing. A chimpanzee. Um, (laughs) 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 Oh, man. But one of his arguments is that people discovered bovines, probably aurochs rather than cows, which I think we talked about in a previous episode very briefly, the ancestors of cows. But they they came across some sort of grazing animal, and these grazing animals would defecate, and magic mushrooms, psychedelic mushrooms, uh, particularly, uh, uh, what's it called, Psilocybe cubensis and other species, Psilocybe, in other words, the genus, uh, would grow in the droppings of these grazing animals, particularly bovines. It's that's famous even now in mushroom communities that you know cow patties are where you look for. Uh, psychedelic mushrooms. By the way, kids, everybody listening at home, I'm not giving you a guide on how to find them. But according to McKenna, humans would actually follow the migration patterns of these grazing animals to get these mushrooms. And that in this, this affected human evolution in two ways. One, it created a pastoral Um, existence for humans because then it was like well why should we follow these animals if we can just raise them so it sort of gave rise to agriculture but Mm -hmm. also because of how these mushrooms rewired the uh, overall neurochemistry of a human being it caused sort of a jump in evolution it changed people it elevated people from beasts to humans in a manner of speaking and i mean that in a more metaphorical sense not a not a literal sense but there's a lot of issues there. <laughs> uh, most notably, I mean, uh, I think it's safe to say that all around the world, people are are really similar. Even even if our technology varies, um, the overall makeup of our brains is not that different. And if human beings had ingested uh, mushrooms, and that is what caused this this surge you'd pretty much just see human beings like that in select places, places where those kinds of grazing animals would be abundant. And it has been criticized for that reason for being Eurocentric, even though I think that's a little unfair because you could apply the same thing to Asian cultures as well. You would think if that was the case that Mongolia would have been the big empire rather than China, of course, now that I'm saying that, I'm kind of disproving myself because Mongolia was a big empire at one point. <laughs> but but there's been plenty of arguments against it, most notably just the fact that it's improbable that jumps in evolution would be caused by a single compound and that that compound would really have a, have a positive relationship with primitive man. And what I mean by that is, and, and this isn't like a drugs are bad and K talk, but if you were a human being and you were, there was no antibiotics, there was no uh, modern medicine, taking a hallucinogen, if anything, would decrease your fitness. It would decrease your likelihood of surviving because at that point, you're probably going to try and flirt with a saber toothed tiger or something and, <laughs> and you're going to end up in trouble. You know, yeah. we, can, we, can, we can test that hypothesis today. Uh, just by listening to people's accounts of of being on <laughs> on magic mushrooms, 
I absolutely love Terrence McKenna's work, and it gave rise to Paul Stamets' work, who has been on Joe Rogan many times. And in fact, uh, uh, this is just this is a little off topic, but I'm just admitting to it. Paul Stamets got me interested in mycology. Like I never had an interest in mycology until I heard him talk about it, and I was like, oh. Oh, okay. Fungi are actually interesting, and you know, I mean, it's it's been a, a wild ride ever since because I've I've done a lot of research on mushrooms ever since. Oh that being goodness. said, well, I mean, really, it's fascinating. But uh, the biggest reason why his theory though is ignored is just because it lacks evidence. Period. I mean that that really sums it up. Uh, the idea that people jumped in evolution that quick. There's nothing in the fossil records that detects that and yeah small amounts of, of psilocybin um does increase your visual acuity aka how clearly you can see things and mckenna actually claimed that it was microdosing that actually helped people and made us more aware hmm. the problem there is one how would they have known to microdose these mushrooms the idea that people were augmenting their perception deliberately during a period where, you know, he himself claims that they had no previous knowledge of stuff. This is what elevated them to begin with. Uh, it it kind of reeks of the same idea of aliens teaching us technology. Yeah, you know, it almost seems like there had to have yeah. been sort of a, a third party being involved. And he also claims that it's, you know, the beginning of religion. Well, again, religion goes back much further than when he purported. We talked about that, like what, two episodes ago, an episode ago about Gobegli Tepe. It predates anything that he has, has referenced. So while I think it's a fascinating theory, and I think that the idea of human beings augmenting their perception with mm, external sources, mainly entheogens and other psychedelic kind of stuff, I think that's very valid because we see it in like every civilization. And I do think that magic mushrooms played a role. Uh, we, we talked about that in a previous episode when I talked about the, the true origins of Santa Claus. Yeah. But the idea that it shaped humanity into what it is, it's an interesting idea, but there's not, there's not any amount of evidence for it beyond oh. what he re- initially wrote about. Uh, again, it's very interesting, but it's got about as much evidence for it as the aquatic ape theory what about the alien hybrid theory uh the alien hybrid theory is more likely if we take panspermia into account i think that's very likely in fact yeah so kind of funny that's the more realistic yeah interesting well yeah i think stamets version of the hypothesis is more plausible just just to fyi he he makes it a little more reasonable but yeah (laughs) very interesting mushrooms and james fanboying (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah my mycology whatever it's called mycology. <laughs> you can tell alex is a huge fan of mushrooms i don't like them <laughs> on anything no alex uh, every time i make food with mushrooms you know alex gets you know, upset you, you actually made a really good glaze with them not too long, not I too long ago uh, listen i'm a good cook all right uh, huh? james <laughs> thank you for telling us about psychedelic theory no <laughs> well all right are we are we ready to draw from the box? Let's draw. I already got it. I grabbed yeah. it already. We grabbed I was it. Prepared. Spin it up. Pull one out. Let's see what we are talking about. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty okay. good. Oh. oh. Next week, you guys. Ooh. I'm excited for this We one. are talking about Atlantis. And this topic was submitted to us by Adam S. 
And this is actually, he's a dear friend of mine. Oh. So, hmm. you guys want to hear about Adam S? Yeah, let's hear about Adam <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let me pull up this little notes that he sent me, right? Okay. Oh, yeah. He sent them to you, huh? Yeah, he sent them to me. Okay, one second. Ooh, I'm sure. Did he meet Peter Dinklage at a bus stop? <laughs> he did not. Okay, this is, um, <laughs> these are some, some notes about Adam S. Dear Adam, he can paint with his feet. Especially butterflies because they're really easy. All you have to do is put your like feet together and four. <laughs> so he paints a lot of butterflies. Okay. And then he also he once won a calzone eating contest and he ate six calzones in seven <laughs> minutes. And they were big calzones too. Okay. So Adam, sweet Adam, thank you for sending us that <laughs> wonderful topic. Next week we will be talking about Atlantis. I think he lied about the calzones because he didn't tell us if they were pepperoni or cheese or what they were. That's true. You know, I'm I'm not a big fan of calzones. Oh, okay. All right. Let's just end the show. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I just haven't had the right calzone yet. You probably Listeners, just haven't had the right calzone. Yeah, if you have a good suggestion for like a decent calzone in the Atlanta area, hit me up. I want to hear because I'll go and try it. Okay. Wow. I'm all for a calzone adventure. <laughs> calzone. We're gonna change our, our lineup. Uh, Fifteen minutes of our show is now gonna be devoted to calzone reviews. <laughs> yes, I love it. <laughs> all right. Well, again, thank you again for listening, Alex. Who does our music? Our music is by Grant Cook. You can find his music on Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, anywhere you listen to music. Yes, and if you want to send us a topic, just like Adam S, and get some beautiful facts read about you, um, you can send your topics into us via Instagram at Thirteenth Floor Podcast. By email, 13thfloorpodcast at gmail.com, or you can send them to us on our website. James, what's our website? 13thfloorpodcast.com. Yes. Yeah. So I guess, you guys, with that, I think until next time, we hope that you can keep it strange. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs>